This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. This episode is brought to you by GroCo Postnatal Rehabilitation. Let's be honest, when it comes to postpartum care, the majority of mothers are sent home with nothing more than a peri bottle and instructions to rest. And what is rest when you've just had a baby? Mothers are left to navigate their recovery entirely on their own without any insight into how pregnancy or labor and delivery will impact their health in the future. It's absolutely insane when you consider that the traditional healthcare system today provides better rehab protocols for sprained ankles than mothers after birth. This is why Dr. Ali Kane created GroCo. The online community features 50-plus workouts streaming 24-7, weekly live workouts, and monthly master classes. Right now, the program is 50% off for lifetime access, and for the Mom Room podcast listeners, you can save an additional 20% with the coupon code MOMROOM. Head on over to GrowCoRehab.com and sign up. How you heal now will affect the rest of your life. Check out the episode notes for additional details. This episode is awesome. It is on a topic that I love, which is food, but more specifically, how to build a healthy relationship with food. I chat with Lindsay Ronga, who is an eating disorder coach and the founder of Outshining ED. She is a super impressive human being. She has a business degree from Harvard. No big deal, right? She also has a TED Talk where she talks about, you know, how she spent years trying to look okay, um, you know, and pretending like she had it all together, um, but she wasn't actually okay. And so since recovering from her own eating disorder, she tries to be okay, which means asking for help, slowing down, and letting her kids wear pajamas to school when they want to, right? I totally agree. Her mission in life is to help millions to find food and body freedom. She lives in Austin, Texas with her husband and three children. And I know that you guys are going to get so much from this episode. If you want to check out her TED Talk, I have it linked in the episode notes as well as her YouTube channel. When she reached out to me on TikTok about being on the podcast and had said, you know, she wants to tell parents why it's a good idea to let your children eat chicken fingers and cake, I was like, oh my God, let's do it. So without further ado, here is my episode with Lindsay Ranga. So today I am talking with Lindsay Ranga. She is an eating disorder coach, a yoga instructor, a speaker, and she has an MBA from Harvard Business School, which is not impressive at all. Um, a fun fact about her is that prior to starting her coaching career, Lindsay worked in finance and as the CEO of a Gary Vaynerchuk company in New York City. Um, so to start, I thought you could tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your education, your training, and your journey and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, I'd love to. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Um, so I had a very non-traditional path to where I am, I'd say. Um, I started out in finance, in investment banking, in private equity, very high-stress environment. And actually, when I was applying to graduate business school programs, I developed an eating disorder and totally came out of the blue. I didn't know anyone with an eating disorder. They didn't run in our family. Um, I was working in Boston and probably working 80 to 100 hour weeks, which is quite normal for private equity. And I was in the process of applying to Harvard, Stanford, Kellogg, and Wharton. So no big deal, low stress. Yeah. yeah. And um, when I was applying, I was training for marathons and just found myself becoming more and more obsessive with food, exercise, and my body. And I kept thinking, oh, as soon as I find out whether I'm into business school, this will just magically go away, right? It will be fine. I don't need help for this. 
Well, I ended up getting accepted to all four schools, which is shocking. (laughs) And the eating disorder just got worse. And I went to Harvard and I'd say that was probably the worst the eating disorder had ever been during those two years. So it was sort of this imposter syndrome meets high stress environment meets Lindsay just pretends like everything is fine, um, which I think moms can relate to a lot, right? We don't want to let people in on the fact that sometimes it just sucks and we're all struggling and miserable. <laughs> um And so I was really struggling with this eating disorder. I was trying to pretend like I deserve to be at Harvard and try to get A plus and maintain the perfectionist like personality I'd always had. And then in between the two years at Harvard, I went to a residential program to get help. And I thought, oh, this is what you do. You just go to rehab and then you're cured. It's just like, this is what you do and then you're fine. Anyway, spoiler alert, it was a much longer journey. And after I graduated, I still battled the eating disorder. Gary Vaynerchuk hired me as CEO of one of his wine companies, which was amazing. I loved wine. I still do. To New York City and um, and just did the career thing and was able to sort of maintain my eating disorder and my professional world. And then a few years later, I found myself unexpectedly pregnant, which was something I used to be so ashamed to admit. I was single in in New York City and still sort of battling an eating disorder and moved home to Austin, Texas in my early 30s. And I think I was actually 30. And I was like, okay this would be a good time to get my stuff together and figure out this problem. So at that point, I finally found freedom. I transitioned back to private equity at that point. And then I was having this conversation with my dad, who was battling cancer at the time. And he said, Lindsay, he said, I never told you how proud I am that you found freedom from your eating disorder. And we didn't really talk about my eating disorder. It was sort of like the elephant in the room. And so for him to sort of talk about this was a really big deal. And it planted the seed for me to ultimately start this coaching business. I asked myself the question, why didn't I talk about this more? It was arguably the most important thing I had ever done, the thing I was most proud of. And um, at that point, I just started getting more involved in the eating disorder community and understanding the pain points again, and naturally just sort of found my way into this world. And then once I figured out what coaching was, which was a new world to me, I hired my own coach. I went through coaching training program and then went to lots of seminars and workshops and kicked off Outshining Ed and Eating Disorder Coaching Business about six years ago. Wow. And do you mostly work with, do you work with people that specifically have been diagnosed with an eating disorder or do you work with a range of people who may just have disordered eating patterns? Such a good question. So it's all of the above. Um, A lot of times, People haven't been formally diagnosed, and I would say it's great to get that diagnosis because it tells you what you're dealing with, which is a mental illness, and it tells you how to approach it and find the right solution. But a lot of times it is just disordered eating, and people don't know how to break free from those patterns. And so they come to me to essentially find what I call food freedom, which is breaking free of food rules and learning to eat intuitively and just trust yourself around all foods. Right. And that kind of leads into the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Obviously, this is a podcast that is geared towards moms. And you actually reached out to me on TikTok of all places. I feel like everyone reaches out to me on TikTok. And you had left a comment on one of my TikToks just saying like, hey, I would love to be um, a guest on your podcast. I'm an eating disorder coach. And I was like, wow, like my PhD is in eating disorders. This is so crazy. And so then we connected. And when we were discussing topics that we could talk about, 
you kind of gave me some bullet points and I loved your ideas of what to talk about. So the first thing was giving your kids chicken nuggets and cake helps their relationship with food. And I loved this because I think as parents, we're so concerned with nutrition nowadays and we're overloaded with information. And sometimes I think the more you know about nutrition and, you know, like, oh, sugar is bad or whatever it is, the more it kind of takes away being able to enjoy cake with your child or take them to McDonald's for like special occasions or whatever it may be. So I thought maybe you could just discuss or explain to us what you meant by by that. Giving kids chicken nuggets and cake will help them build their relationship with food and a healthy relationship. Yes. So first of all, I just have to say I do love following you on TikTok. You were the mom that I needed when I had my first child. Mm. I think I was still had some residual eating disorder struggles. And by that, I mean, I made all of her baby food. So by the, like from the time she was born, I was so hard on myself with breastfeeding and transitioning to formula, um, would read every single ingredient and everything only organic baby food, made it all from scratch. And so now fast forward three kids later, right? (laughs) Um, I just, there's such an appreciation in seeing your approach with your, with my Milo. It's Milo. Yes. Yeah. Um, Because it's freedom. And that's what childhood should be, right? It's like the Happy Meal that you're talking about at McDonald's. And to be honest, like that's what my memory is, is every Thursday, my mom would bring us, do you have Burger King in Canada? We do. We do. Okay. So my mom would bring us Burger King at the elementary school. And I just would look forward to that. I thought I was so special and so cool. And I would get the Happy Meal and my mom would eat lunch with me. And that is one of my favorite childhood memories. And you're giving your child this gift of like an experience, not of having to care about calories or eating too little or too much or what the sugar content is. That is not something a child should have to worry about, think about, or have to like even respond to. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. 
The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. And one thing that I always think about is, you know, if if one day we happen to eat more sugar than we normally would, or, you know, we eat out one weekend quite a bit because we're out and about, and, like, that's fine. Like, that is not... Like, you can't say that, oh, this weekend represents the nutrition that my child is getting. Like, no, it's it's such a bigger picture thing. But I think parents focus on the single meals, the single snacks, like way too much. And it yeah. should just be like, look at everything in total that they eat, like over the course of, you know, six months or whatever. But yes. yeah, it's so important not to focus on the single meals. Well, and that's the same. It's the same for us too, right? I mean, one weekend, if we're out with friends, it's not necessarily representative of how we eat overall. But what's so amazing about our bodies is they're like machines. They know exactly what to do, especially kids' bodies. If they have a lot of sugar over the course of two or three days, they naturally regulate. They're not going to crave sugar 24 7. Eventually, Mm -hmm. like, it loses its allure, right? And so we can trust that our bodies aren't going to want that all the time. They don't feel good. And so you're exactly right that our bodies have this natural way of sort of adjusting. And it's really important to look at it over the long term, not just take like one day or two day and categorize it as like, quote unquote, good or bad. Yes, exactly. And you mentioned something about role modeling to your children that all foods fit. So what does that look like for parents if we were to give advice to parents about that? Yeah, so this is a hard one with parents because like you said, we do have so much information and knowledge, um, sometimes to the point where it can be challenging to just live our lives and eat without thinking about what we're eating. And so I encourage parents to role model in a way that no food is off limits. And what I mean by that is if we're eating in a way where we say we can never have sugar, of course, I I need to caveat this and say, if you're vegetarian or vegan, or you have an allergy or what that obviously goes without saying, don't eat those things. Right. But if you're eating it for, you know, not eating it for, diet culture reasons, um, what happens with those foods? Let's just take sugar. We end up giving that food undue power in allure, right? It's like, I'll give you an example. So let's say we have a kitchen knife, right? And you use that kitchen knife just to like chop cucumbers or fruit or whatnot. Now, if you use that same kitchen knife and moms, if you're listening right now and your kids are with you, just like do a quick like pause. But if we use that same kitchen knife as like a murder weapon, now that kitchen knife has moral value, right? Now we fear that kitchen knife. It has very different context. Same thing with food. If it's sugar, right? And we say it's off limits. We're giving that food power. We start to fear it. It has this moral value. And now that has power and control over us. We don't want that. Right? We don't want food to have moral value and fear over us. So I encourage moms to say, hey, 
all foods fit. And the best way to think about foods is in two categories. There are foods that nourish us and give our bodies energy and make us feel good. And of course, we want to be eating those foods. And there are foods that make our soul smile. And those are really important to eat too, for parents and for kids. Right. For enjoyment, like pure enjoyment, like you're allowed to eat things just because it's enjoyable. And yeah, like that's a good lesson to give our kids, I would say. And it adds to the experience, right? I know early on in my daughter's first year of life, she was really aware if I didn't have cake at a birthday party. Yeah. And so, and it's, you know, they're the moms that always pass on the birthday cake. No, no, no. I'm watching my figure or whatever it is. If you're constantly passing on cake or birthday treats, kids start to pick up on this and they think, wait, what's wrong with me for always wanting the cake, right? If my mom, who I want to emulate or my dad or whoever my caregiver is for that matter, um, is passing on this, uh, what what's wrong with me that I always want the cake? And so it's important to role model that, as you said, for pure enjoyment and because it's additive to the experience, so for celebratory reasons or just because it's a Wednesday, right, you're allowed to enjoy treats. Yeah, I remember when I was younger, my dad, he used to always have business meetings and they would always meet at this particular restaurant near our house. And he would always bring me home a blueberry cheesecake because I loved it. And, you know, it was just like a random massive piece of cheesecake in the fridge like waiting for me and I loved that I was like oh he knows that I love this cheesecake and he always brings it home like that was special for me that's so cool you also mentioned something that your dad had said to you growing up what was that around eating growing up my dad and like it's funny and obviously I didn't really realize how special that was until now but he, I remember him as a, when I was a child, always telling us to just eat until we're comfortable. And like, I never thought anything of it. I was just like, oh, he's not one of these parents that, you know, finish everything on your plate or you're not getting dessert or you know what I mean? Um, so it was always just eat until you're comfortable. And now I realize that I never eat until I'm uncomfortable. Like never. I, I'm i more like I will snack throughout the day and if I'm hungry, I will eat, but I never feel this need to finish what I'm eating, no matter, even if it's like some expensive meal at a restaurant. I know like some people, you'll have this pressure on you like, oh, I need to eat everything because I paid for this and whatever. I don't have that at all. And it definitely stems from my dad. Wow. That's so powerful, right? That his words still impact you today. And also just kind of, it's not added pressure, but it's like the words that we're saying to our kids around food really matter. Yes. And like, it's crazy now, if you think about it, um, one of the things that I was thinking about before talking with you is a lot of times like these struggles that we have with kids, whether it's eating or sleeping, um, I always have to remind myself like toddlers and children are not robots, you know, like we shouldn't expect them to be eating the exact same amount every single day and finishing what's on their plate. And because we as adults don't do that, you know, we don't sleep through the night every single night. We have difficult nights. We have, you know, it's it's variable. Yeah. So I think that's important to remember with regard to food as well, that they're not robots. Totally, especially toddlers. Like, I think all of my kids have gone through phases where they were just picky. And mm -hmm. I think as a parent, that can be kind of concerning. Like, oh, my kid only eats literally two things. And <laughs> we're just rotating them, right? On repeat. But most often, if you don't draw a lot of attention to it or make a big deal out of it, it's just a phase. These things with kids are just phases. And it's your job to sort of just roll with it, right? And not to force something. So I love that your dad approached uh mealtimes that way, right? It's like, I know in our family growing up and I catch myself still with my kids and I have to 
undo or untrain myself. It's like two more bites. Are you still hungry? Are you going to finish that? You didn't eat enough, right? And it's like, can you imagine if somebody were talking to you like that as an adult, right? How annoying that would be during dinner. And I'm like, gosh, just who cares if they don't have two more bites? Literally, what is two bites going to do? Literally, nothing. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. I get that often because I've been thin my whole life. I get that often because I don't eat until I'm uncomfortably full and I'm more of like a snacker throughout the day. I'll often go for dinner with people or, you know, dinner at someone's house. And then people are always like, well, aren't you going to have seconds? Like you barely ate, like, you know, and it's like, don't worry. I know how to eat. I'm an adult. If I'm hungry, I will eat more. But right now I'm fine. But it's like in our society, people comment so much on either people's bodies, like, oh, you've lost weight. Oh, you've gained weight and what we're eating. And it's like, mind your business. Like I'm fine. I'm an adult. I know I'm not hungry. I ate a full plate of food and I'm okay now. And I'm going to have dessert like in a half hour. So if I want it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I think what was always helpful for me, at least in recovery, because those comments can be super triggering to somebody who really does struggle with their relationship with food or their body is that the person who tends to comment, oh, Renee, aren't you going to go back for seconds? You hardly ate that's a reflection of their insecurity around food. Not to suggest they have problems, but right, that says more about their relationship with food, how they were raised or what it looks like for them than it does about you or anything to do with what you ate or didn't eat. Yes. And the funny thing is, like I know with um, my husband's parents, they are the type of eaters that like they barely eat all day. And then they have like a huge dinner. And my husband is the exact same way. I'm the complete opposite. I will eat all day. Like from the time I wake up until I go to bed, I'm snacking, I'm eating like small meals constantly. And so when it gets to dinner time and it's like, oh, you you barely ate anything. And I'm like, yeah, but I've been eating all day. Like you haven't eaten all day. Like it's it's funny how, I don't know, how people can just be judgmental and we all eat differently and just accept how people are eating. (laughs) And there's not a right or a wrong, right? Most of it is cultural. Where's your husband from? South Africa. Okay. And so it's, I mean, it really has so much to do with one, how you're raised. Yes. Two, there's just no right or wrong and nobody gets to tell you like how to eat, what to eat in the right way or the right times. And so I think there's such freedom in that too, as a parent or as a mom that 
you ultimately get to decide what works best for your family. And if convenience, like if you're in a season of life where convenience is the priority, then go for it. Yeah. You know, like then that's what you just own that and go for it. That makes life easier. It makes you a better mom. It just makes you a better person in general. Um, and if you're at a phase where you enjoy cooking and that's fun for you, great. Right. But there's no right or wrong here. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. I think I had a meme not too long ago that was like, I'm all about right now making the car ride as, you know, easy as possible, making bedtime as easy as possible, making, you know, and then your day just goes by smoothly. Nobody is upset. You're not, you know, stressed out. And it's true. It makes you a happier person and it makes a huge difference. Um, So one of the things for toddlers when, so one of the topics was how to get your kids to eat. So I know for me, if Milo, like he eats really well at daycare during the day, I think because he sees the other kids eating. So he models what they're doing. Um, Sometimes at dinner at home, he won't eat very well, um, not very much. And he's kind of distracted. So sometimes the only reason I stress about it is because I worry that he's going to wake up at night and be hungry. But I mean, I don't know why I worry about that because it's never happened. (laughs) But what are, what are, do you have any tips for parents on, you know, what to do if their toddler is not eating dinner? Yes. So I think first, the more you can give your toddler the illusion of control, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, So we give an annoying amount of choices to our two-year-old when it comes to food and dinner. Now, that being said, I've already planned what I'm going to cook, and we have three kids, and there are two of us, two grown-ups, and I try to cook as little as possible Um, I'm still cooking more than one meal, right? With like five people, but I'm not letting everybody throw in orders for dinner necessarily, but I will say, do you want the pasta with sauce on or sauce off? Do you want butter on it or red sauce? Do you want the pink spoon or the blue spoon? I mean, I'm talking, it's so annoying, but the kids love it. So the more control they feel they have over the meal, the better chances are that they'll eat it. Number two is if they can be involved in sort of preparing it, that can be, right? If it's just not in the cards and it's too hard and it makes it more complicated, then just totally disregard this tip. But if it's like taco night, I know that my kids, if they prepare their own tacos and all the toppings are sort of there and they get to make it, that's fun for them. And they're more likely to eat it because they get to choose what's in it. Um, And then the last one is making dinner fun. Um, We do this. We've got questions that we ask our kids every night. Our two-year-old's probably on the young end of answering these. But one of the questions we ask is just, what's the best part of your day? And then because our older kids just kind of air towards perfection mindset. We always ask what's a mistake that you made today so we can sort of normalize mistakes. Um, So making it fun. And by the way, that can include shows. I know that you, I don't, do you put TV on during dinner? I can't remember. Sometimes we do. Depends on the day. Yeah. And so if that gets your kid to eat and that makes it fun, again, no rules here right? You have to do what works for your family. So making it fun, giving them the power of choice, um, and, and really like allowing them to have a say if you can, and what they're having or how it's served. I think it kind of ups the chances that they will eat. Yeah. I think I remember complaining about, because Milo up until recently was an amazing eater. He would eat everything that we put in front of him. And I was like, wow, we are so lucky. (laughs) But I knew it was going to come to an end at some point. And it did recently. And I remember someone on Instagram messaging me and saying that exactly that, that it was about control. So they told me, you know, it's really good to give them, like you were saying, choices. And yesterday he came home from daycare and he was pointing at the cupboard and he was saying cookie, cookie. And I was like, okay. So I took out, it's like a cashew butter cookie, took it out, gave him one. He ate it. 
we're all good. We're fine. And then he ran back to the cupboard pointing, saying cookie, cookie. And I was like, I don't want him to have another cookie because we're going to have dinner like any minute. So instead I, and he was like throwing a tantrum. So instead I, I pulled out a banana and a peach and I was like, banana or peach, banana or peach. And he was kind of like still throwing a tantrum and he actually picked up the fruits and like threw them away. (laughs) But I just, I I kept saying, and like, I was laughing, but like trying to be serious. And I'm like, banana or peach. I brought them back in front of him. And eventually he just quieted down and he grabbed the banana and ran away. And I was like, okay, there you go. He picked the banana, but it's, you have to be like persistent sometimes. Times. And even though they're throwing a tantrum, like it could just dissipate and then they'll just go with one of the choices that you're giving them. Yeah, I love that. I love that you did that. Um, I think too, it's it can be tempting to... So I find like you have to use enforceable statements when it comes to dinner. So saying things like you need to finish your peas, right? Like we actually can't force a kid to finish anything, right? So Sometimes it can be something as simple as like, I'm happy to give you another cookie after you eat a banana, or I'm happy to give you another cookie after dinner, right? Like that's enforceable after dinner, you could give them a cookie. Um, But if we're using it as like a threat. If you do this, the kid picks up on that. And that is like tantrum city I found with my kids. And so I having some one liners at your disposal, which I used what you said with your dad the other day with my kids, which is just eat till you're comfortable kids. Like I up my one liners all the time because it's easy for me to remember one thing rather than remember, oh, don't say this or don't do that or try to do that, right? And so having that at the top of mind is like, oh, okay, this is easy for me to focus on. And I know that it's adding something for my kids that's positive. Yeah, that's a good tip. I just saw not too long ago a TikTok. Um, I think she's a child development specialist or something. And she made a TikTok explaining how you should never use the word if with your children, because exactly what you said, it's, you know, it creates this, I don't know, like they start, they want to challenge it almost. And she said instead to use the word and, so we're going to have dinner and then you can have your cookie instead of like, if you don't finish your dinner, you're not going to get a cookie. Um, But I like what you said to have just these key one-liners that you can use because I always find myself going to say if, and then I'm like, oh my God, no, don't say if. And then so like, yeah, (laughs) my husband just said if the other day and I'm like, don't say that. You can't say that. (laughs) He's like, why not? I'm like, I'll explain it later. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I, read, so. I don't know about you, but do you read like I read the parenting books or the blogs or whatnot, and then I I'm very good at pointing out when my husband does it incorrectly. Like I can yes. see it super clearly, and I'm like, oh no, 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 you're doing it wrong. He's like, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, I'll get back to you on that. I'm not sure. <laughs> reread the article yeah I'm like listen I just saw a TikTok right and we we can't say if okay yeah oh, that's so funny um I wanted so for a while when I was in I think it was mostly when I was in my master's program I was super interested in nutrition and so I read a lot of books by you know researchers in the nutrition field and I I was just like fascinated by nutrition and um it made me think how, at least for myself, I don't know what it's like in the US, but we didn't really learn about nutrition in school. And it blows my mind because once you're an adult, I feel like, like I said, you're bombarded with nutrition information and it like becomes this big important thing, but we're not taught about it um, as a young child. So if you know, they were to implement some kind of nutrition course in schools, like, or if parents wanted to teach their kids about nutrition, what do you think that should look like? Like, what, what are important things for children to know regarding nutrition? Oh, I love this so much. I feel like this could be its own separate conversation. So I will say, at least in the U.S. now, they're trying to get more serious about this. So for example, at my daughter's elementary school, they have slow, no, and go foods all over the cafeteria, like printed. 
And what bothers me, like the no foods, right? And so it's sort of this idea of like nutrition is important, but sometimes nutrition can be presented under the guise of diet culture and it's confusing. Um, It's sort of like, like using quotes like wellness, right? Wellness is important. We want to be physically, mentally well, but also there's like this sort of inflection point at which point wellness becomes um, just an obsession or unhealthy. And so I, what I love about any form of teaching nutrition to kids is it is an opportunity to have a conversation about it. And so when my daughter came home and said, mom, they say that we can't have these foods, like the no foods, which are basically sugar foods that kids should be able to have, right? Mm. I was like, what do you think about that? And so I think any time you can have a conversation with your kids about um, just foods in general and your relationship with foods, I think that is a plus because we did definitely didn't have that when I was growing up. We never talked about foods, good foods, bad foods. It was just food in general. And as you said, like, we just knew very little, right, about foods. Um, I remember coming home from middle school and everyone would come to our house and my mom would just, it was a free for all all the time, but like for snack, we would get Doritos, cheese Doritos, and we would pile them with cheese. And that was like snack every day. And by the way, like it was amazing, but also I don't think my mom really cared or knew that like we all got stomach aches and nobody really felt good after, right? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny that you say that. I remember like in high school especially, every day I would come home and have pizza pops. And like I would never think to buy pizza pops now just because I know a lot more now about nutrition, <laughs> but I would have pizza pops every day after school. I would like sometimes my lunches were like chocolate pudding, Nutella sandwich, chocolate milk and like a Joe Louis. And yeah, like I I've been an athlete my whole life. Like I was fine and I'm still fine, but it's funny how it's it's a stressful topic now. Totally. And I think, I mean, in a way, right, it's like kind of nice to go through childhood just not aware of all of that. And I think that's a gift you give your child, but giving them age appropriate sort of information. So that's why we sort of categorize the food, which is look, most of the time we do want to eat food that just makes our body feel good, right? And nourishes us. But we also need to eat food that's fun and like allows our soul to smile and makes us happy. And that's important too. And we'll talk about things like um, if we eat too much of anything, it doesn't make us feel good. We don't use words like everything in moderation or things like that because diet culture is sort of coined these terms, right, that coincide with bad foods, fat is bad, um, you know, food rules, and everything under the guise of basically like, you know, only eat this one way. And so we try to have a more broad approach. And basically, the way we look at it is like, this is what mommy believes, but look, you get to decide what you believe. And I think the best thing you can do is like, gather up information from lots of different sources and you'll do that over time, including me and you get to decide what you believe. Yeah. So if you could give moms who are trying to feed little kids like every day, obviously, hopefully, (laughs) what would you, what advice would you give to these moms that are listening right now? One, go easy on yourself. Um, And then two, give choices. As much as you can, I think that makes your life a lot easier the more choices that you give your kids, Um, not just with food, but even like, do you want to put the toothpaste on or do you want me to do it? And this comes from something called love and logic. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. It's... um, it's like a parenting seminar that we've, t- we've retaken it. If it shows you that we're not really good at it, we've retaken it three times with each kid, <laughs> but it's basically given us these strategies of empowering your kid to figure things out for themselves. And one way to do that is giving them the power to decide and make decisions. And so the more we can 
give them the power of choice, um, the more equipped they feel and that they're not just a kid being talked to, they feel like they actually have a say. And that can be really helpful when it comes to food and them developing a relationship and having the freedom to develop a positive relationship with food for themselves. Yeah. And probably beneficial long-term as well, because they've been making choices their whole life now and they're more, you know, confident in choices that they're going to be making as they get older. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm going to put the love and logic thing in the show notes for people that want to check that out. Um, to end, I, th- I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about Outshining um, and what it is and where people can find you. Yeah, I'd love to. So um, the way that this was sort of born is I, I think I felt when I was going through recovery, it was this one size fits all approach. And when I was in treatment and I went to every kind of treatment you can imagine, um, inpatient, outpatient therapy, medication, meditation, India, like literally everything. Um, I felt like I was sort of just a cog in a wheel treated like every other person with an eating disorder. And so Outshining Ed, before I began coaching, I took a year and I interviewed and studied hundreds of women who found freedom from their eating disorders. I was honestly just so curious, like, why did I find freedom from mine? And some women battle and men battle their eating disorders for lifetimes. So I took all of those stories and I mapped out all the commonalities and I put those together in a program, basically. And so those commonalities serve as the phases of recovery in a 12-week coaching program that I offer for anyone struggling with food in their body. Hmm. Um, And so I have one coach working with me who was a former client, went through my program a year ago and found freedom. And we're hiring more coaches now. There are more people in COVID than ever battling eating disorders, but also who just now have the time to spend getting help um, for their eating disorders. And so while it's it's encouraging, right, all these people getting help, we definitely uh, need more coaches out there and more people who are able to customize programs to anyone struggling. And so... That's Outshining Ed. We also have a digital coaching program that's really affordable and self-guided. And everything can be found at my website, which is just outshiningedcom Awesome. Thank you. And do you have three resources for moms that you can share with us? What would your top three resources? It could be like a movie, a documentary, a book, a podcast, an Instagram account, anything like that. Oh gosh. Okay. So I would say love and logic is one that really, I think that really helped us. Um, scary mommy is probably my favorite (laughs) Instagram account to follow. Um, your TikTok for sure, because I think anything that makes you feel not alone as a mom and makes you laugh is just like, that's it for me. I need to laugh and I need to not feel alone, especially when you're a mom of young kids. Yeah. Um, and then I'm trying to think of a third resource for moms. I don't know. Target. (laughs) (laughs) that's actually a great one I love it I'm literally gonna put the link to Target in the show notes (laughs) although it's so sad we we started to get Target in Canada and I was so excited about it but then they closed down after about a year or so they didn't last long here I know I don't know what's going on Uh, wait I'm so surprised by that I know I I think they had bought a different department store and they kind of used their locations. But when I think about it, like there's not really competition for Target in Canada other than Walmart, but maybe because we weren't used to having a Target, everybody just continued going to Walmart like they always did. Um, Ah. But yeah, it sucks because Target has amazing uh, products and lines of, of like celebrity stuff and yeah, it's not fair. I was going to ask, like, where, what do you do? Where do you go? <laughs> but it sounds like Walmart is the go-to. Yeah, like, I really, I I don't go to Walmart often because it drives me crazy going there because it's so busy. So usually I'll just go to separate stores for everything. But yeah, it's nice. Like, I really, every time I go to the States, I loved going to Target. It was so exciting, <laughs> which is sad. That's the exciting part of my life with going to Target. <laughs> 
Once you become a mom, though, it's stuff like that. This is a side note, but I was talking to my husband last night, and I just ordered these high-waisted underwear on Amazon, and I'm like, I told myself I'd never be one of the women who wore, like, granny panty, like, tummy control, high-waisted, but they're just so comfortable, and I was like, I'm sorry. I just, I, this is going to be me for the rest of my life. I will be wearing these really high-waisted panties and I love them. But like, it I just, know. once you become a mom, things just change. Yeah. Just change. It's so true. Things change. My hair is just constantly in a bun on top of my head. Like I, I still wear my pregnancy leggings, even though they're like baggy on my belly. Yeah. Like I just, it's, it's hard. It's, it's a struggle, but it's fun though. It's fun. It's fun. And it's a show. I'm like, why do they even, I remember putting on maternity like pants for the first time. I'm like, I will never wear jeans again. I know. That's what I said. I was like, so why do they make regular jeans when right. they can just put the elastic like band? Right. I know. <laughs> well, I wanted to thank you so much for talking with me today. I love this topic. And yeah, maybe we can plan out another episode in the future about nutrition or yeah, any topic that you would like to talk about. So thank you. Would love that. Yeah. How to talk to your kids about nutrition. I ah, love that. Yes. Good one. I don't know about you guys, but I'm probably going to have chicken fingers and cake for dinner tonight. But in all seriousness, I always talk about how I really try not to stress about food with Milo. Um, for example, this morning he had two Nutrigrain bars, you know, before 8 a.m. because he wanted them. And yeah, I don't like the sugar content in the bars, so I might look for a healthier option for him. Um, but yeah, I try not to have like food rules or, you know, take joy out of, you know, going to McDonald's and getting a Happy Meal and making a picnic at home on the floor. Um, You know, those moments are special in a child's life. And I think as parents, especially nowadays, we're so stressed about food when it comes to feeding our kids. So if anything, I hope this episode has just kind of given you a little bit of peace of mind when it comes to feeding your child and, you know, hopefully minimizing any stress uh, you may have around food. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I absolutely loved that conversation. Hopefully we can get Lindsay back on here to talk about something else and we can have you guys ask her questions. That would be awesome. Um, If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, review this podcast wherever you are listening to it. And you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at the.mom.room. Yeah, so have a good weekend if you're listening to this on Friday. If you're listening to this on Monday, then what took you so long? Uh, But either way, I hope all your children sleep tonight. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? You came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. Well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship yeah, topics. like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us come out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. Ha <laughs> ha